Welcome to the Body and Beyond podcast with Alice and Gina. A podcast sparking discussion on all things health, mindset, fitness, goals, and motivation. We strive to help you to boost your confidence, to take the lead in your own life, to back yourself, and to step into your full potential. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Body and Beyond podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, which we all know, Miss Christiana Vellis, who is our nutritionist. And the last time we spoke to Christiana, we went through nutrition deficiencies. Um, And today, we're going to be talking about irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. So welcome back, Christiana. Thank you. Thanks for having me again, girls. Thanks for being here, Christiana. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> love having Christiana on. So thank you for being with us today. Yes. Let's very party. excited to talk about this, this topic. Yeah. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So let's start with like, what is it for those listeners who haven't heard of it before, or maybe know the acronym IBS, but don't actually know what it stands for. What is it? So um, irritable bowel syndrome is um, a syndrome that's usually diagnosed by a doctor by a process of elimination. It's considered to be like a functional disorder versus a disease in a way. Um, And it's got multifactorial etiology. So what that means is there isn't, we don't know the exact cause of IBS and therefore um, there's an interplay of things that give us the conclusion that you have IBS. So a lot of the time when people are diagnosed with IBS, it's after they've gone to the doctor and they, the doctors check them for celiac disease, um, inflammatory bowel disease, which is um, an autoimmune diseases like Crohn's and um, ulcerative colitis. And you've kind of ruled those out along with like um, possible bowel cancer and all of those elements. And then that's ruled out and the doctor <clears throat> tells you ha- you have IBS. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at with IBS and there's new research coming out about it that it can be um, post-infectious. So say you've had gastroenteritis, you can then develop symptoms of IBS. So when it comes to diagnosis, it's more about a list of symptoms that you might have that, you know, are linked to, to IBS. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're going to go through some common symptoms, but would you say that like your recommendation is if people start to notice symptoms, then they go to their doctor or go see someone like well, you? Like look, when it comes to most things, if you have symptoms that are out of the ordinary, especially with gut health, definitely go get it investigated because mm. um, <clears throat> what I find in clinic is a lot of people tend to sit um, with their symptoms and think that they're normal and they just live with excessive bloating and live with excessive discomfort and gas and they don't realize that it might not actually be normal and getting understanding what's going on with your body is the start and then um, you can work with a practitioner like myself that will work you through your IBS and also with a doctor as well um, and making sure that you're getting the right checks for what is going on with you. Yeah. So when, like, when it comes to, you know, IBS, yes, definitely seeing a doctor is important, all these symptoms. So I think if we go through those symptoms, it's a little bit easier to kind of explain. Yeah, cool. All right. So what would you say are the most common symptoms that you, that you see in clinic? So diarrhea and constipation. So 
irregular bowel movements. Um, so you might have IBS diarrhea and you might have IBS constipation. And the difference between the two is that um, you might just have, you might eat something, for example, and then have excessive diarrhea or your stools are never formed. Like they're always a little bit runnier or mushier and that's also something that has to be investigated how often do you go to the bathroom are you emptying your bowels for constipation do you strain all of these factors that come to irregular bowel movements you might have both and that's what I see a lot I see people swing from one to the other then you've got bloating and discomfort and they're very localized to the kind of gut um, that area so if you do have bloating and discomfort is it painful are there sharp pains is it, you know, um, something that's quite debilitating? Um, because the thing with IBS is IBS may be a factor, something that is um, happens post you also having something else. So, for example, SIBO that is associated with IBS as well. So SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and that is where your small intestine starts to grow um, bacteria that shouldn't actually be in there, causing a lot of, like, fermentation. So you get that bloating and discomfort as well. So you can have both and you can have helobacter pylori, which is a bacteria in the stomach that then can lead to IBS also. So yeah, IBS can come from lots of different reasons or you could just have IBS that is caused by stress and that gut brain axis. So coming back to the symptoms, we're looking at irregular bowel movements, uh, the constipation, diarrhea, we're talking about bloating, we're talking about discomfort. For some people, it even manifests as brain fog and quite a lot of fatigue because your digestive system is trying to break down food that it can't, with lots of gassiness. Um, uh, when you go out, you tend to blow up and have that pain again and all of those things. So they're, they're kind of the symptoms that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And can see how that would be quite stressful for someone to have to live with, right? Because, I mean, it's not like a dairy intolerance where you know not to eat dairy and not get sick. Whereas I feel, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are, could be so many triggers, right? If you do have our irritable bowel syndrome, that could, I guess over time, maybe would you say that you might become more aware of specific triggers but then also there might be triggers like stress that are less controllable um, for people with IBS or? Yes. Yeah, so the thing is with IBS as well, because of all of these, like even nausea being one of them and this, all, all of these gastrointestinal um, discomfort that they do get people with IBS, it can lead to then, you know, anxiety and losses of appetite because of that bloated feeling and things that kind of follow on from that. And I think, um, you know, with the causes of IBS, which I think you're kind of referring to, it's more, we don't know the exact cause. So the low FODMAP diet is the one that we know that's been studied. Um, and if you follow the Monash University, the way that they structure it, which is what we do as nutritionists. Um, we follow that structure to make sure we do elimination and then reintroduction and going on a low FODMAP diet. And it's really important that we um, do this methodically for IBS because we don't want to eliminate foods for extended periods of times when you don't need to, because a lot of the high FODMAP foods, for example, I'll give you celery is high FODMAP or mushrooms are high FODMAP in higher quantities. And as a result, 
you're eliminating lots of amazing, beautiful vegetables that you should be eating and cauliflower and all of that. So reintroduction is important for having a healthy gut in the long run. Um, so, but you need to work with treating your symptoms at the time, then working towards building a healthy gut mm-hmm. post. And so is that, is that protocol the standard for IBS? Is that what you would say most people who are diagnosed with IBS, that's what the first kind of step would be? The low. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But um, when I work with clients, I look at the overall picture, like what is what could be triggering their IBS. And yes, like you said, it's stress. And if it is um, stress, one of one of the big factors is I work around that too, and working with the nervous system, um, as well as working with this low FODMAP, um, taking out reintroduction, like the whole three phases of it. So. Um, My approach personally is um, very multifactorial because it is a multifactorial um, um, issue. And so I take the approach of working with lifestyle and diet factors um, and making sure that, you know, things are um, looked at overall versus just one single thing. So um, I'll give an example. If a client is quite stressed and they have a high profile stressful job, um, doing a low FODMAP diet alone sometimes isn't going to give you the best results. We need to look at how can we shift the stress and looking at that gut brain access element, which is the enteric nervous system um, as well. What recommendations would you have around, like you just mentioned, shifting the stress? Are there certain things you recommend for most of your clients? Um, um, it depends on what they're doing, but shifting stress, a lot of it is working with their sleep and energy as well. So I think the, if we have better sleep, our reactivity to stress is reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we have uh, more energy where, which again, it works with relieving those symptoms, um, giving us more energy, then it can lead to us being able to tackle things and stress and anxiety in our lives a little bit better as well. So I work with that and then I work with, um, do you need, what kind of exercise do you do? Um, Is that serving you at that point in your life? Is that helping you with your gut health? We do know that IBS um, is assisted through exercise. So um, it does help improve symptoms um, of IBS. Mm -hmm. So that comes into it. Um, And, you know, is yoga better for you? That mindfulness, how we eat as well. Is it, it's not just solely what we eat. It is, do we sit down in front of the computer and eat? Or do we sit at a table? Mm. Um, Do we eat on the run? Um, Mm. Are we binge eating? All of those factors. Mm. Does chewing chewing food enough come into it as well? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, that comes into anything with digestion in the gut. So if you're not chewing your food, you're not releasing all of those beautiful enzymes that are released in our mouth um, that help break down our food. Yeah. Do you find that with people that you are working with who do have IBS that they it's they can almost, in a sense, not reverse it, but um, I guess live with it better through routine or is it something that can just be up and down for people long-term? Like, does it stay like okay. that? Can you make it better? I live with it. I have IBS. I've had IBS. Mm-hmm. I had very bad IBS in the past, but mine stemmed from a few things. Um, I had H. pylori, which is a the um, bacteria, but I learned 
I went through the process of healing it, IBS, but you will get fluctuations here and there. It's about management of fluctuations. So again, when I work with a client, the reintroduction process and the process, the last one of the maintenance um, you know, uh, phase is where we, um, and the personalization phase is where I look at how, if you do get a flux, like if you do get a bit of loading, how can we manage that for you? What do you do? What do you do to make it better? So I'll give you an example. You go, you have, you've got IBS and you've done really well. You've got no bloating and then you head out and you're going out over the Christmas period. And suddenly you're eating all of these different foods that are bothering you. Higher fat, higher fried foods, more garlic and onion, alcohol, add all of this to the mix. Mm -hmm. um, the bloating and discomfort start to creep up. Like I work with, how would you, work with that to help manage it to relieve you before you get to the chronic stage of having those symptoms again which is where you were so yes you can absolutely like a lot of people live with ibs it comes and goes for some but what about distinguishing the difference because you just said bloating a couple of times there and going out and eating different foods like personally mm. if i go out and eat different foods i'm gonna get bloated <laughs> because yeah. I'm well, so how do i know yeah so i wouldn't say i have ibs right so well, not necessarily. So if you just get bloated from going out, it's more how long are you bloated for? Is it a chronic thing? Does it lead to further symptoms? Or are you just going out and getting bloated because you're over-consuming things that you don't normally eat in your day-to-day -day life? And does it then is it then alleviated the next day for you? And then you feel quite comfortable and fine and you can go work out and you can go live your life. That's the big difference. So you have to... Um, meet the certain criteria when it comes to IBS it's not just bloating and it's yeah. discomfort fault like alongside bloating you would say like generally um I think there it's a lot of factors it's not just bloating and discomfort it is all of those factors which I talked about like it, um changes in bowel movements um abdominal discomfort pain um you know, loss of appetite, nausea, not an inability of fear around food, which develops for a lot of people because it's such a constant thing. It's having been checked for other things and ruled them out that you mm. get told you have IBS. So mm. th that's why it's important to get checked because they could be, you know, brain fog, low energy. Um, all of that could be that you are eating gluten and you have celiac as well, which a lot of people, those symptoms would be the same. You'd be getting excessive diarrhea or constipation. You know, a lot of those symptoms overlap. And then that's why it's important that like IBS is kind of the end of the line in a way. Mm -hmm. So that's a syndrome. So it's like being checked for these other things. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going out and eating, you're probably just enjoying your, your dinner if you're getting a bit bloated and then waking up the next day and you're fine. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. I, I just that bloating is one of those kind of topics where people tend to um, people forget that if you eat a big meal, you're probably going to feel bloated sometimes. And I think females, especially, they have this expectation that their stomach is going to stay flat all day, and they no. think that they eat something and then they get slightly bloated. They've got IBS or they've got an issue, or um, so it's about sort of like determining like um <laughs> what's normal amount of bloat and what can just be like you've eaten something that you're not used to um and then that or you should probably think about getting it checked or having a closer look at what's causing it right 
Yeah, so you're more looking at, do I get bloated um, one to two times a week over extended period of time, like three months? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of where we're going. Is there pain and discomfort during defecation, which is like when you go to the toilet? Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, look, we're not going to have a flat stomach all day. It's not possible. You're putting food in it. And then you might, uh, you know, you're over-consuming sometimes or just there's, it's way beyond just going out and eating. I use the going out and eating as an example because I find a lot of people um, tend to get, with IBS, tend to get even worse symptoms when they do go out. Even, um, you know, they could be eating at home and still get bloated, but even when they go out, it becomes even worse for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, do you, go, go for it, Tina. <laughs> oh, is this the same line? You go. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say um, if you had any protocols or tips, basically, for people who do have IBS, just things that you often see work, I guess, with the clients that you work with. Well, it depends what stage they are, they're at in their IBS. So say you, my tip would be um, you want to tackle the symptoms. So if you've been checked and it's nothing more sinister and it's just IBS, we're looking at, say you have diarrhea or constipation. So constipation, what I would do is I work with clients, for example, and I make sure that they're going to the bathroom. So are you having enough water is the one, number one. Mm. Um, sit down and make sure you're eating your food at a table um, rather than in front of the screen. Because again, that rest and digest and that chewing the food comes with us not being rushed, which helps reduce that the symptoms of bloating and discomfort. Um, I would say to you, um, during times of stress, try and um, manage it through exercise that you enjoy, getting out into the fresh air, um, working um, with someone if you need to, to help you manage your stress a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth one would probably be notice what your um, triggers are try and write a diary do a food diary and write down what you think is triggering you and then find someone that you want to work with that is going to help you understand those better help you manage those better and allow you to live a freer life even if you have IBS Um, so they would probably be my four four and then my fifth would be make sure that you um get that blood test to check you don't have any nutritional deficiencies, for example, iron or B12 deficiencies that also come with a lot of gut health. Because if you are feeling quite tired, it could also, um, and you do have IBS or gut other gut issues like SIBO, H. pylori and stuff, it might um, show up in a blood test in the way of B12 deficiencies and iron deficiencies. And then once you heal your gut, you can help um, improve those deficiencies. So, yeah. Yeah, they're great, great recommendations. Um, you mentioned the H. pylori bacteria, and I was just curious because um, you said you had it as well. How, how does one get that? Oh, I don't, I, I, it's just bacteria that kind of comes into the stomach. Mm. And um, a lot of people have, it tends to manifest a little bit differently to IBS. It has a crossover. So IBS is more the lower, um, that kind kind of area that you feel it but also um helobacter pylori is in the stomach so a lot of uh belching nausea um 
even that bloating, um, uh, lots of appetite um, tends to come into it as well as like lots, lots or loss, 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 loss. Gotcha. Yeah. Because um, what H chloride does is it feeds on the mucus of your stomach, and that's where we make beautiful stomach acid that helps protect against pathogens. So um, when it wastes that away, your stomach acid tends to be reduced which means you're allowing yourself open to more pathogens mm. and it's not you can't break down protein for example as well and you tend to have zinc b12 and um, iron deficiencies that you get a lot from protein mm. so yeah i guess another one that i've seen very recently is um inability to um gain muscle mm. which could be the and this person works out and is getting enough protein but are they digesting that protein mm-hmm. and getting the breakdown so yeah might not be solely related to ibs something sure. else something different yeah <clears throat> yeah thank you that's cool great so that's really helpful christiana thank you did you have anything else that you thought would be helpful for our listeners around this topic um, I would just say don't live with this discomfort because mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of people that just think that it's, it's normal. So get it checked and, hey, it might be normal for you, but it might not be so, and you might feel even better once you do some work around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important um, thing for a lot of things because, you know, even what you mentioned earlier about writing a diary and keeping note of these things. Cause I mean, personally, even with my clients, if they, if they write, um, you know, something this week has made me bloated and it's like, um, well, what time, like when, how long were you bloated? Did you eat the same thing the next day? Did you, what did you eat the day before? Like all of these things you want to be able to break down and be able to figure out what it is, right? Rather than just being like, oh, and then carrying on doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So I think a diary is a really good um, tool, I guess, if you're trying to sort of work around and, and figure out that if you've got any issues going on. And then just the point around like people not understanding how it should feel to be, um, you know, free of discomfort or have good energy or not have brain fog, right? So sometimes people kind of be living with this for so long that they they don't even really know or they don't realise. So if someone was maybe in that boat, Christiana, aside from going to the doctor, of course, like you mentioned, and going to get checked, um, is there anything that you could recommend that they could do just straight away on their own with their food or their diet? Like, say someone was just not feeling great, they're feeling bloated um, and they think maybe I should, you know, look to. I'm not going to say eliminate because I think when people do it, they fall under the false impression that gluten and dairy are their issues Mm -hmm. and um, they end up leaving them out of their life forever. And new research has shown us that gluten actually improves our gut microbiome. So uh, unless you have celiac disease but um, or severe gluten intolerance but a lot of the time with that it's the fructans in the wheat that are bothering you and the lactose um, or the type of um, dairy protein that you are having a1 versus a2 protein so working with somebody I think is if you, you're really living with it is probably the best way because I don't like to just say go off and try I think the food diaries is one of the best way going to the doctor and then seeing someone because mm. um, 
if you do the food diary and you're like, okay, well, it's cauliflower has triggered me every single time and I am bloated because of cauliflower, you might want to look at how much cauliflower are you eating? And if you reduce the amount of it, that, that's probably an example mm. rather than, hey, take out this whole food group. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because I think, you know, um, and I guess that's how the low FODMAP diet works, right? Like you're not yep. necessarily, it's not necessarily about not being able to eat something all, at all, but it might just be about the quantity that you're eating as well. So it's probably another good point to mention um, when we think about not just eliminating things for the sake of it because I think a lot of people can do that they'll go oh I'm not feeling that great I'm just going to cut out dairy I'm going to cut out gluten I'm going to cut out carbs or Mm. it's just one of those things that people just dive straight into and often it doesn't really help yeah they generalize yeah yeah Mm. yeah well not the cauliflower do you know how good air fryer air fryer cauliflower is <laughs> so good i've been eating so much of it <laughs> my favorite curried curried um olive oil um Ooh. roasted cauliflower is my favorite in the oven <laughs> in the oven oh, it's delicious yeah. you've got the turmeric which is anti-inflammatory it's one of my favorite kind of easy recipes um you know side dishes with oh, some protein and some greens so good Delish. So for the listeners, Christiana, how can they reach out to you if they'd like to actually book a consultant with you, a consultation rather, book a consultant with you? Consultation and actually. I have, they can um, jump onto my website, which is www.christianavelis.com.au, or my Instagram handle is at Christiana Vellis Nutrition. Um, very easy, just one whole word, no, nothing yeah. else, Christiana Bellish Nutrition. And um, they can either DM me or send me a message, um, an email, um, and I'll get back to them. And booking a discovery call is probably, it's a 15-minute free call with me to see um, whether I'd be the right person to work with and, um, you know, give me more information about you and the packages that I can offer. But um, I will say... Um, which I haven't mentioned that next year I have some programs that are coming up. So keep an eye out for those, which yeah. to do with IBS and resetting your gut. That's awesome. Thank you. And I'll put all of your handles and your website in the show notes as well. So people can click on them easily as well. Thanks for joining us. That was amazing. Thanks for having me. Thank you. As always, guys, if you liked this episode, if it helped you, don't forget to screenshot and tag your friends and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. The Body and Beyond podcast is for information purposes only. This podcast does not constitute advice or services, and the statements and views of the hosts and guests are not medical advice. The information provided should not be used for treatment or diagnosis purposes. Please discuss any information from this podcast with your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle.